So, yeah, Rango, yeah. tell me, listen, welcome to the show. Uh, yes, I was hello. Here, oh, and oh, somebody over here, Kara's also on the show, too. I guess I should say <laughs> welcome to the show, uh, Kara. Just taking it all over. I know. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just amazed by, uh, obviously, we, we have Rango covered up today because uh, I'll let you introduce yourself as far as, um, I know you're uh, ex-military. Yes. And so why don't you tell me a little bit about your background, and then I'd like to get into uh, really finding out about the mindset of, of someone like yourself. So why don't you go ahead and tell us who you are a little bit. Okay, well, uh, I have extensive military background and uh, more like Special Forces, Green Beret stuff, which was uh, one of the original ones. Now every military has their own Special Forces, like Navy has Navy SEALs, SEAL Team 6. They have Delta Force now, which is part of a uh, more Army, which is more our anti-terrorist expertise. And then, of course, uh, Force Recon Marines and have uh, Army Rangers, uh, and then uh, Air Force has their own elite crew, and you know, and then of course every country has their anti-terrorist group, like the, the Mossad for Israel and uh, New Zealand SAS, Australian SAS, uh, British SAS. Every country, elite commercial country, has a top military experts. You know. <clears throat> You know, I, the thing is, is my there's so many groups out there, so many elite groups out there. Who is really the best, or is it just a, a is it nuance, and is it just maybe like, am I am I getting that it's maybe it's more of a specialty? Because I always thought, for example, the Navy SEALs were like the top um, elite force out there. Is that true, or do I have it wrong? No, the, every military has their elite groups. Like I said, yeah, uh, Army and Special Forces. And we have Delta Force, and then uh, uh, Navy has Navy SEALs. There's that's their, their anti-terrorist team, which got Bin So they're all equally trained. I mean, uh, Navy used to start like underwater demolition stuff. Yeah. And then they expanded, you know, more. And then uh, Special Forces was uh, kind of air, land, and sea, but they all do it. They're all incredibly phenomenal experts. Is there, they can is all there do the same job. Is there any animosity between or competitive uh, animosity or anything like that between the various groups? Uh, you know, I, yeah, there is a little bit, but it depends on the mentality of the guys on the team. You know, there's more respect because they appreciate each other's training and yeah. uh, advanced training. And because, you know, if you take more uh, Special Force and Navy SEALs, they've been in the combat quite a bit. They're very, uh, very calm but just get the job done. The most important thing, they don't get emotional, excited, totally different than most uh, infantry level conservative troops, you know, because yeah. of extensive training. Yeah. I, um, you know, I often wonder sometimes I thought to myself, you know, I wonder if I could be in the military or, or do that. Like what, again, we'll know more about what you've done, but 
you know some uh rango i don't know man i you know i'm not a pussy or anything that sure. unless unless it, it benefits me i'm usually not a pussy but i don't know if i could do and go to the military and be faced with any kind of uh, confrontation or battle like that uh and yet um one of the things i did to test myself very young was i i ended up bouncing when i right. went to, out of college because i never had a fight when i was in um, yeah, you know, in school, or I never knew what I would do if I was tested. And right. surprisingly, I found out that I was actually good in confront when I'm confronted when I had to be confronted. But yeah. just generally, so what is it that makes someone like you want to go to the military? I mean, I know some people go because they need maybe a path to go on. Maybe they're, right. you know, they need some direction. But what makes someone like you want to go not only to the military? But actually to get into something that's even more um, elite, which I would assume has more danger to it, danger to it. What what makes you want to do something like that? You know, I, I was always very adventurous as a kid and I always liked speed and heights and all kinds of stuff. So it's uh, it's it's another way to challenge yourself and really push yourself as well. You know, I mean, uh as you have, you know, in, uh, in weight training and stuff, you really push yourself and face yourself. We face each ourselves against our weakness, fears, and insecurities, you know. And same thing in the military. that You have to face yourself because it's life and death situation sometimes. Yeah. And, of course, not saying you're scared or there's no fear, but, I mean, it, it's still there, but it's under control, you know. And that fear sometimes can help you not to do something stupid, uh, you know, it's like that acronym, false evidence appearing real. You know, I mean, we create the fear in our mind. We create insecure. We create mental blocks in our mind because of uh, past issues, the way we were brought up or anything, you know, and our, our ideal way in the military is to face those weaknesses and push past them. And it's, it's uh, one of the perfect ways to do that. Of course, there is a detriment because you may die in the end and get killed or something, too. Yeah. So uh, that's the price you have to pay, though. So there's always trade-offs for everything. Um, I'm curious. This is I'll bring Kara in. <laughs> and do you think that you would have enough nerve to? Because there's women in the military now. Oh yeah, of course. And they are at the highest levels, right, Rango? Yeah. And yeah. so let me ask you, Kara. Do you think that you'd have enough uh, balls, so to speak, to go on to? <laughs> And uh, elite group He's like so that. Stupid. Elite like that. And, um, and fi- I mean, could you really do that seriously? Or? No, I think that if I had like a, a passion for wanting to go into the military, yeah, I would have definitely had done something better because I would have wanted to constantly challenge myself. I wouldn't have wanted to be just uh, another soldier there. I would have wanted to test myself, push myself, become better, do better things. And that would have eventually put me in the situation of being more on the front line and doing more risky things. But I would have just wanted that title. I would have wanted that experience. I would have wanted to, you know, be better, like reach my fullest potential in the military. So I would have definitely have done it. Yeah. So you really think that you could be in the line of fire? If you're, I'm being totally honest. Yeah. Do you really think that you could be out yeah. there? I actually, I wanted to join the military, but um, I had a kid and then I was going through a divorce and I needed to be there for the kid more than I needed to be uh, going and, you know, fighting in the military. Might not be appropriate what I'm going to say, but when, I mean, Rango, <laughs> yes. 
I was talking over to Kara. Uh, Rango, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, is it inappropriate? Are women uh, qualified and can they be out there on the front line with the guys? You know, there's positive and negative to it. Not saying they can't, but uh, you know, men have an affection towards women and want to protect them and stuff. So that could that could kind of distract from the mission sometimes. I can see that. You know, yeah, you know, because I mean, they're they're friends. You know, your brothers and sisters. Yeah, but mm-hmm. then uh, a woman on top of it makes a man more protective naturally to cover them, and that may detract from the operation, the mission, or something like that. So and, do, you feel, uh, do you feel like you're at, at exposure then if you're out there in the battlegrounds with females in the back of your head like that she's not going to be able to come through or or how does that if you're no, being, really, you if know, you're being really honest about it? Do you no, think to be that? totally honest, you get a well-trained woman. I mean, for example, uh, you interviewed member Kathy Long, remember yeah. the and she is vicious. She is tough as nails. You know, she'll face guys anything, and she's bodyguard quite a bit herself. And uh, you get a woman like that who's got your back covered, very professional and tough on top of it. That isn't a problem. That isn't a problem. It's just another thing like, uh, when bodyguarding, if you have a beautiful, attractive client, you can't get involved with the client at all. The actress, whoever you're bodyguarding or protecting, because it takes away your awareness from your surroundings, you know? Oh, so that makes sense. Sometimes that sex appeal can be attractive that way, and you want to be more protective and watch them instead of watching the crowd more, you know? So it's a little ah. subtle things. So how do you, I mean, I, and, and I'm assuming that the, the 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 training that you both go through, men and women, is it the same training? Are there any exceptions because that you're a male and and they're going through and they're a female, or do no. they have to do they have to do the, do the exact same uh, training? Exact as, same stuff, just like okay. women on a fireman or police, they have to do the same everything same equally. Yeah. They don't uh, lessen it at all, you know. But then the other negativity is like a woman being captured. You can see, I mean, that's really a weakness to use them to barter with. with the enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so it's like, it's not really that you're thinking that they're weaker. It's just, it's no. just how we're created. Nature. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But, but how about women, uh, Tom? Women have a, you know, childbearing. I'm yeah. assuming that some of these ladies that are in the, in the, Military, they have kids, obviously. Oh, yeah. Okay, so a woman, by nature, has a tendency to want to protect, like the men do. And, uh, what makes you think that they don't think about that, like, looking at you, even though you're an adult, like their kid? That's true. Yeah. Does that yeah. happen? Uh, yeah, it could. Because they yeah. have that motherly instinct, too. Yeah. To protect, you know, which is natural, you know. But like I said, it's a, there's a positive and a negative for it, you know, and I mean, you remember that movie uh, with Demi Moore, uh, G.I. Jane? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, then they added the sexual part with that, too, you know, which is actually part of it. If you go to a SEER course, uh, Survival, Escape, and Evasion course, and you actually get captured, I mean, you've got to go through all the torment. Like, I went through a SEER course myself, and I was waterboarded myself for practice. And it is tough. Yeah, very tough. There's ways to help you, Oof. little tips to survive that. But you what can't. Yeah, why, why don't you? Yeah, I'm curious about that waterboarding. 
Yeah. They have to go through the actual, I mean, how close did they get you to breaking when they're doing, for example, because when you're in the heat of the moment, they're not going to make it easy on you. No, 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 no. So how, how do you train for that shit where? Wait, what is waterboarding? Why don't you explain to Kara what <laughs> okay, waterboarding is? I, I really can't. T- I know I've seen it done. Yeah. But let's, why don't you go ahead and explain that, Rango? Okay, well, you know, you have like a uh, laying in a big tub of water. You're not laying it, but there's a slant board. They do it many different variations, but you're slanted on an incline board with your head down. They put plastic over your head sometimes, or a bag over your head, and then they keep pouring water on your face so that you feel like you're when you're upside, you're not exactly upside down, maybe a 25, 35 degree is one technique, and they keep pouring water under the bag so you can't breathe. So the worst thing is to panic and try gulping for air because it makes it 10 times worse. You oh, gotta yeah. just, I mean, if you can, I'm not saying everybody can do this, is you got to breathe very subtly, not panic at all, and just try to breathe a little bit, and you can't just hold your breath. Sometimes you hold your breath a little bit, then you, you gasp for more air. And then you panic more. You got to remain very calm and just try to breathe very slowly and subtly because as soon as you start hyperventilating panic, you're gulping for more air and it feels like you're drowning and you're going to die. I mean, it's just pretty radical. So how many, how many times did it take you to learn that properly? Uh, I only did it one time. And uh, uh, I did it. How did it go? Myself. Yeah. Because uh, it's something very hard to practice. Well, that, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's amazing to me, though. I mean, for you to to just basically walk out after doing one, uh, I don't know, treatment, if you want to call it that, how can you possibly be ready to face that in battle? I say I'm a the believer that repetition is the mother of skill. And it's like if you can't pass this as a military person that's going to be out there potentially facing all this, how is it that they can still put you out there? I don't get that. Well, I mean, uh, everything's relative, but, uh, you know, there's so many ways to torture somebody. I mean, I've seen all the movies, electric shock, you know, ripping your fingernails off, toenails off one at a time. I mean, it's very painful, you know. This they stuff have, actually happens, right? Oh, yeah. Totally. Not just in TV? <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, they'll cut each finger off. It depends what every culture has got their specialty, you know. So are they preparing you for some of these things that may happen? Is that what the point is? You know, you prepare as much for it as possible, you, but do you prepare best not to get caught in the first place? <laughs> yes, know? of course. That's the number one thing. <laughs> so how do, you, how do you not get caught? So, so how, how do they teach you to not get caught? Let's say that you're put in a situation and you need to not get caught. What, what, what do they teach you? Okay, for example, that's what this uh, uh, survival escape and evasion course is. It's like you're in enemy territory. And you got to be a ninja and you got to blend in with your surroundings and just become camouflaged, invisible, not just physically, but mentally, too. And, you know, it kind of comes after the Japanese ninja and stuff who would uh, sneak into a castle, try to assassinate a lord. And they try to become one with the rafters, with the floor, with the ceiling. And even they would try to calm their breath down, their presence down, even calm their heartbeat down. So they couldn't be sensed at all, you know? Mm. So it's more than just physical, technical stuff. The mental stuff is most important, you know? How do you slow your heart rate down when you're excited? <laughs> you don't I'm, get excited. I want to know that. 
Because yeah. I think that, that could be handy in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah so how do you do that? When I get wrapped up, I start shaking like hell. You know, first you're breathing. You got to calm your breathing first. Calm your breathing. Then you calm your mind like a very calm lake or ocean. And you can do that. You can do that. Like when you go into the heat of the battle, you can start doing that. You you try to do that as best you can, you know, but uh, you can't, you can't just panic any situation. When you panic, get hysterical. That's the worst thing to do in any situation. At least if you can remain calm, think logically, what is the best thing I can do right now to survive? You know, to be A, B, or C. And you take it as a priority is dodging bullets, staying undercover, uh, whatever, hiding out, burying yourself in a, in a jungle, whatever you have to do to do it, you know? What was the scariest thing that you have ever experienced in the military? Uh, probably dying. No. <laughs> Coming close to it, yeah. Did you Being, come close to it? Really? What's that? Did you come close to dying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm in, a, in an ambush once, and uh, all our other uh, patrols got, got, got killed, and me and uh, my partner took off, but they, were, they knew somebody was alive. They were still scanning us, so we burrowed ourselves in a jungle, a street canopy jungle under leaves and stuff, and then uh, rebels were coming up, and one was, I could just see him through the leaves because I was buried, me and my friend completely, and we're trying to become invisible. And he's walking right up, and I thought he was going to kick my foot. And I didn't want to move my foot to show any movement. And I was trying to keep my breathing, my heart rate down. And he just oh, stepped probably six inches from my foot. Oh, and man. Then passed. Yeah. I would shit myself. <laughs> I would. But uh, I only lost about 10 minutes of my life. It's <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. But, uh, and how many, like, were you on, like, did you have so many missions that you went on? And if you did, did each mission become uh, easier? Like, you know, in athletics, when you first get into a game, especially when you get into a game that's that's a faster game, like going from college to pro or high school yeah. to college, the game is very fast. But then, you know, with repetition being such – that the more you do, the more skill you get. Does yes. the game, does your being in that military and going into a, a mission like you were in, does that start slowing down? Can you think differently than you did like early on? Well, here's the advantage. Yeah, like you said, you become more experienced, more efficient, economical, technically, mentally, emotionally, and how to move efficiently and how to protect yourself better. But you cannot get uh, too confident. Like too, as soon as we get too confident and we don't check every little point, every little thing, and you get lax at something, that's where life and death happens. If you get lax at checking something or not following through with some procedure, no. you know, or you push, and sometimes you get too confident and you push the envelope too much. You know, most time we're like skydivers, and I was like on a halo team. If you uh, if you push and try to do too many radical things, that's when accidents happen. As long as you stay in the parameters of what's safe, and yeah, you can get adventurous and do some radical things, but it's under certain uh, conditions, you know, under scientific conditions and principles that are effective, that work to keep you alive, whether it's parachuting or uh, anything, you know. 
The the um, I know there's a hierarchy. I mean, I just watch TV, so I'm guessing. So when I say I know, I say yeah. that based on TV shows I watch. Yeah, you know, based but, on Hollywood, but based on the movies. So um, there's a hierarchy. What, where were you at in that hierarchy? Were you one of the soldiers? Were you somebody who was the captain or you know one of the leaders? No, I was just on a special forces team. I was a sergeant. You know. Oh, sergeant. Team. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's the lowest level on special forces anyway. <laughs> There's nobody lower. Oh, there them. you go. Well, they have eight uh, B teams and C teams, which they have uh, PFCs and privates and stuff. But that's more like supply. But see, when you do an operation, like we were talking about, maybe a assassination, extraction of people, there's a whole process you have to go through. And the biggest thing is planning. The biggest thing is recon, advance work, what we call, to make a mission successful. And that's the hardest thing. That's the hardest thing to do is to get all the information you have just to work with. You know, like Sun Tzu, The Art of War, says if you know yourself, you have 50% your strengths weakness, you have 50% chance of winning the battle. If you know your enemy, his strengths weakness, and yourself, you have more closer to 100% chance to win the battle or be successful, whatever the mission is. Interesting. Yeah, my so I have a question. Yeah, I've heard stories about the children down at the war war areas. How yeah. did they're not all nice? Am I correct? No, no. Dangerous. Even Vietnam, they train kids to run up with uh, grenades, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And so how was that experience for you? Because I mean, just as any adult, that would be so difficult. But you know that they're the enemy. How how did that go for you? Uh, that's very tough. But, you know, when it comes down to it, they, they train these kids to hate Americans, hate Westerners, hate infidels, whatever. And, they, they you know, like uh, terrorist groups and fundamental groups and their kids, they, they hate the West. And they're jealous of it and they hate us with a passion. And, uh, you know, these kids are, I mean, in that area, they're just vicious, a lot of them, and they'll do anything. They're programmed, and they see the other thing, the way they program, if they die, that they'll have the, you know, go to heaven, have 71 virgins or whatever, they'll be in blissfulness. And it's like a, a honor for them to die, sacrificing themselves for Allah, you know? So oh, they're yeah. totally brainwashed, completely different than uh, our kids, you know? Our kids very spoiled and technology and most of them, you know, some are very tough too, but these kids here are, are something else, you know. Did you ever have to like face a situation that involved a child? Yeah. I mean, there's a few times in a village and stuff like that. And uh, they'll send their kids out for, I mean, how terrible is that to send your oh, kids God. out in the first place with a grenade or whatever or something, you know? So, uh, but luckily, you know, uh, didn't have to drop him and zap him, didn't have to do anything. But, you know, that's a terrible part if you have to kill a kid, because if you don't kill them, they're going to kill you. But it, yeah. that's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, it's either you or me. That'd but then what's that kid going to grow up to be? Yeah. Another be, terrorist. You know? Yeah. It'd be hard to detach from that. You yeah, you've got to be detached completely, you know. I think the hardest, the hardest thing for me hearing all the stories, you know, stories of all that stuff that you had to go through and everything, it would be so hard because there's some people that are actually 
nice there. And you can't tell the difference. It's not like they're dressed differently, right? No, no. So it's I'm, like you literally are watching your back 24-7 and you uh, can't even trust the ones that are acting nice or anything. Yes, I mean, sometimes they even have people on your team or in your support group that are spies because they blend right in. That was that was pertinent in Vietnam. You know, they'd have uh, in base camp and other Vietnamese that were NVA and Viet Cong and they'd look like... They were in your camp helping, you know, and then at the right moment, they'd set off a bomb or grenade or kill somebody, you know, as many as they could. So, yeah, you, I think that'd be, that'd be hard to like constantly feeling like I have to watch my back. Like you can't ever just stop and breathe. Yeah, it's very hard to relax. But, but, you know, there's another part that sometimes if you get too tense, I went into in country once with me and my friend, we work, you get you get where you're worried about walking on a trip line or stepping on a bomb or this or booby trap or getting shot. You can't be too tense because you get exhausted mentally and emotionally. And if oh, you do, yeah. you got to just say, Hey, screw it. The hell with it. It meant for me to die or die, but I, you can't work that way. You know, you got to just relax and surrender to it and, and be professional, you know? Yeah. Uh, did you? I, I, for me, because I have I'm, I have this mindset already, and I've never been in battle. I've just yeah. been in the I've been in the battle of business, but that's like an apple and an orange compared <laughs> to what I'm doing in business and what you did in on the battlefield. I don't but know. I try, you know, after being uh, so all these years in business and being around people, I don't trust most people. How, did you get to the point where obviously you can't trust anybody? Uh, I'm assuming. And if that's the case, does that stay with you forever? Does it change your uh, mindset forever? I was going say, it's a good question. When I got out, one of my teachers, uh, martial art teachers, said, hey, what's the matter? You, it's obvious. He's very intuitive. I said, you don't trust anybody. I can see it in your eyes. You're suspicious of everybody. Don't forget, these are all your friends here. It's okay. And I, I realized that. You know, but you have, that's something you have to work on and open back up again. Because you become like an armored shield and you uh, close everything off. But then you have to work on that to slowly open your heart and mind that this is okay to trust again. You know? Yeah. Speaking of um, uh, the hierarchy, did you ever have a situation or are there uh, situations that happen where I know, I'm assuming that there you have, Soldiers that go rogue, maybe. But is there ever a conflict because you've got too many? I mean, I would think that the the military guys that are out there are all alpha dogs. And is is that a problem when you're working in conjunction, like in operation or in team effort? Uh, what do you mean? Like if, uh, you know, if, if everybody's an alpha, nobody wants to take orders. Oh, yeah. Oh. No, but Something you know like what's, what's interesting you have to have alpha, but you still got to have that chain of command. That's so, I mean, look at any effective group, all martial art groups have a chain of command, seniority, force belts, ranking, mentality, all military ranking, even, you know, company corporations have it too. Yeah. And that hierarchy is what, if you respect that, person, you, as long as you don't have a leader that's a jerk or an idiot or doing stupid things, you know, like Custer, what happened with Custer and stuff, you know, and, the, and uh, as long as you have a good chain of command, 
I mean, look, like with Patton, everybody, you know, majority of people loved Patton, even though they thought he was a bast bastard, but he was tough. But he was, uh, there was a fair part about him, too. Any good leader has that balance. And, uh, you know, it's the most important thing is following orders and the mission. And that's what the commander's mission statement is, is to complete that mission successfully, no matter what it takes. So you need that chain of command. You need that hierarchy to make that effective. Yeah, how long were you in the military? Uh, about uh, six years. Okay. And then after the, and then you, you didn't want to stay? Well, I was uh, approached by a couple of mercenary groups because I was in South America too, and uh, to join this mercenary group, but uh, I had to sign a contract six years, and I thought, oh, I'll never make it six years, you know, <laughs> maybe three years, so I decided to get out. Okay, and then what did you do when you got out? Oh, uh, what did I do? I actually uh, went back to school and got a degree, and uh, and it took my time figuring out what I wanted to do, you know. It's just very hard when you get out and you have such an action adventure life and uh, on adrenaline, then you come back to society, you know, and you're, you're treated very respectfully, you know, military up to a certain point because you have a specialty. I mean, look at like the Rambo movies and stuff too, but when you get out, I mean, it's hard to get a job sometimes, depending unless you want a job as a assassin or <laughs> a bodyguard or something like that, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, even a bodyguard, my experience, I would much because you have like martial artists, you have former police, and you have military people. I would rather and lean towards military people hiring as bodyguards than martial artists and and former police. I mean, they're all good. It depends on their mentality. But military people are always used to working as a team and taking orders, you know. So, and as a bodyguard, do you have to work as a team and take oh, orders? It's just like military, completely, you know. And uh, like uh, we were talking earlier, if you want to do any kind of uh, extraction, any kind of, uh, you know, to say rescue somebody or an assassination or eliminate somebody, the same kind of plan is an order, you know, and what that means, you know, bodyguard team is the same thing. It's like you want to protect your client at all costs. Of course, the enemy wants to kill your client. Of course, there's different threat levels, too, and they're trying to kill your client. So you, as a bodyguard, have to think like an adversary. How would you kill your opponent? When are the voids? When are the gaps? When is he uh, isolated? When is he by himself? Or same thing with assassination or rescuing somebody. You've got to figure out all this information when he's alone, when he's isolated, when you can get a shot at him when you're undetected. So say like a sniper shooting a, a target, you know, a mile away, 500, 200 yards away. The farther you're away, you have more chance to get away. But the closer you are, it's tougher to get away they're going to come after you, you know? Mm -hmm. So the farther away, and then on top of the more you can get your target isolated, it'll take longer before he's even detected that he's shot, 
that's going to be an advantage. So same thing if you're trying to rescue somebody, you got to get him at a very vulnerable place, an isolated place where he's least guarded, and how are you going to break him out? And what is the plan? So when I, what I'm saying is that when you plan a mission, there's the advanced work and recon is the most important. It's 90%. Then what you do is you got to, is steps. What's the planning? What, what information do you need for either or, number one? And then the next thing is to find that information out. That's the advanced work beyond the planning and uh, recon. You collect that information. Then it's the strategy part. Then you put together the story. How are you going to assassinate that person, get to that target, or how are you going to rescue that person? The strategy. What's the strategy? And then then it's a practice. Then you have to practice certain drills to make it very good, efficient, economical. Then it's the extraction. And the most important thing you want to get away, for example, if you want to assassinate somebody and you don't worry about getting caught like a lot of the terrorists, it's much easier. Or you put, you know, a, a bomb vest on and you blow yourself up. You don't have to worry about getting caught because you're dead, right? Or you run up to somebody, shoot them and assassinate them. And you don't care about getting caught. That's, it's nine times easier to get to somebody that way than to escape successfully and get away with it. I'm curious to know when you're talking about uh, assassination or extraction, I guess. Um, there's a certain amount of time that's put into that. So, are you like surveilling, and are you collecting things like um, information, like uh, their tendencies, what time they go eat breakfast, and you know, see if you can get like patterns where they're consistent. Do Do you have to do stuff like that before you? Is that part of what you're talking yes. about as far as collecting yeah. data? That's all recon stuff. Recon. advanced work to collect it. What are the patterns? What are our cycles? When are his voids? When are he most protected? When is he least protected? You know, all yeah. that stuff. That's now, uh, do you um do you plan for a like a plan B, like a plan A? You've done all this uh, recon, and then you're actually now you're going to go out and, and do your mission. But you know, I'm I'm going to say that not always your mission goes as planned. So how do you modify on the fly? Are you just that good uh, as a team, or do you, is that something learned? No, it's definitely learned. You know, for example, that's an important point. You know, Church, I think, said, yeah, when uh, you have your perfect plan, but when the first round is fired, the plan goes for shit sometimes, <laughs> you know. So yeah. that's why in the military, you have a contingency plan. Number two and maybe three, maybe at least one or two backup plans just in case it goes for shit. Yeah. Okay, if this happens, they get blocked, you use this escape route, you use this alternate route, here, 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 whatever, you know. And for example, that's why the recon advance work is so important. That's where you collect all the information to create other contingency plans. Like for example, we were talking the other day, like secret servers, I don't know what they are now, but for example, there's about 4,000 secret servers, could be more now, but there's only about 400, four or 500 attached directly to the president. Those other 4,000 is more for support. You know, what they'll do when he has a route, they check every room, every building along that route, the rooftops, and they plant some man, some man there. Then it's 
it's clear. It's clear. They don't have to even the manholes. Sometimes they weld the manholes up. Because nobody can get down in the manholes or explode a bomb or anything. I mean, it will cover every little detail. It's a lot different than uh, with the Kennedys, you know. Wow. Yeah, that's no, a lot of work. That, that's a lot of work. You know, yeah. I went to I went to a fundraiser in Palm Springs. This has been years ago. I was in, I got invited there, but before I was able to go, I was uh, president. Uh, one of the presidents, former presidents, was there. Uh, yeah. Can't think of his name. Anyway. Um, but, was, it, was it Abraham Lincoln? Yeah, it was that far back. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> how can I forget his name? Uh, anyway, but um, no. So they they in order for me to go to this fundraiser, they had this uh, Sununu was there and all these VIP people there. Yeah, they had to do this big background check on me to make sure that I was okay. But when I was there uh, in the room. They had the Secret Service came in and did just like I was talking about. They yeah. went through all the doors and they check everything. I mean, yeah. And I hate to be the guy that fucks that up. Miss <laughs> that something. misses one thing. That misses like, oh shit! Yeah. To look there, and that'd be horrible. I mean, it could be catastrophic. I guess. Yeah, totally. Right? Totally. Hey, I had one time a guy tell me that I was at a gun show, and there was a bunch of military guys there, and in a circle they were talking, and I was just listening there to these guys. It was very interesting conversations these guys were having. But at some some point in the conversation, one of the guys said, "You know what?" I haven't killed somebody in about 10 days. I'm getting really itchy feet. I need to go kill something. Is that, is that how you get? No, no. 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 <laughs> so no. maybe he was just bullshitting. I don't yeah. know, but I found that to be really like, I don't know, telling or shocking or what. Yeah. You know, I mean, you should top military guys. I mean, you don't want to have to kill anybody, but you're, you become detached from it. That's part of the mission. Like with bin Laden when that seal tube six came in. You know, and the helicopter crash. That's a perfect example. Look what happened. They had to that deal was, with that. They that was amazing. Support. Oh, incredible. That was amazing. Those guys are just phenomenal, you know. Yeah. But they've done the drill over and over so many times, and they had a, a backup plan, too. What to do yeah. if this happened, if that happened, whatever. And, you know, what's interesting is that with Delta Force, they shoot so much. They shoot so much, you know. They shoot thousands around. They shoot hundreds of thousands around because they're like terrorist hostage team. Uh, say they come on an airline, bunch of terrorists, or they have to kill the terrorists and not the civilians, right? Yeah. So they got to be so accurate. And they, you know, there's a saying like you'd always tell a, a Delta Force guy because uh, uh, part of his poem had callus on it from yeah. holding a weapon so much, you know, and shooting so much, you know. So they do this like every single day, shooting thousands yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah, like repetition. That's a repetition yeah. is a mother of skill. It becomes, I would imagine, it becomes second nature. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Instinctive. Totally. Totally. Wow. I would think it'd have to. It'd have to. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, when you're put under pressure with something, you don't even have time to really think. And you can't think. Yeah. The minute you start thinking, you're dead in the water, I would imagine. Yeah, but I had, exactly. I had a guy tell me one time that he felt a lot calmer when there was bullets flying along, like, beside his head. That's when he got really calm compared to just when they weren't flying around his head. <laughs> is that true? Well, you can't. It depends on the mentality of the person, you know. I mean, some of these guys, SEAL team commanders and uh, top special force guys have been in combat so much. You know, even the guys in Vietnam, some had six, eight tours of Vietnam. You could imagine. And they, they can't be lax. I mean, remember that movie uh, Captain Phillips with uh, yeah. Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks. Yeah. after a true story. It was so neat. That actor who played the SEAL team commander, when he came in, 
he had a perfect attitude, very calm, very cool, collected, but he had everything covered. Okay, you do this. Okay, plan A, you go over here, you do this, da, 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 da. like he's done it a thousand times, you know? And that's what makes a really good commander, just being cool under fire. But another thing you got to look at, you know, it depends on uh, when you shoot somebody, that's that's a totally different experience, you know? I mean, some some guys are just vicious out there. They can kill and are natural killers, you know? But that isn't the kind of people you really want. You don't want somebody that likes to kill, you know? You want somebody that does it if they have to, and they can be unattached to it, you know, and then move on to the next mission completely. And, you know, usually it's like a good portion of the public can do that, then there's a good portion that are in the gray area. They can go right or left, be totally nonviolent, or maybe they can be trained to do that. Then there's another big section, one-third or more, that don't want to kill. They won't kill anybody anyway. I mean, there's a theory. There's a guy named uh, Lieutenant Colonel Grossman wrote a bunch of books on killing. And then there's theories that came out, like with the Civil War, that, you know, what's the average age? was 16, 18 years old, Civil War, right? A lot of kids. So very immature. And a lot of them didn't like to kill. They had to do it. And then, but there would be one guy, one friend that was a killer, natural killer. So the other four or five guys would load for him those muskets because they took 30 seconds to load, right? And they're just handing to him. So he's just shooting one, boom, boom. So he's almost like a semi-automatic. He would work much more efficient and effective that way, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it all depends on the mentality of a person, you know? I know. I think people talk about like, oh, I could kill somebody. Oh, I could kill somebody. Or they get so mad. I mean, I've I've heard men say this stuff and I'm like, no, but could you really? But could you really? You know, and like yeah. and then and could you really live with it afterwards or does it eat you up alive? So, I mean, I don't know. Have you have you had to kill some people? Only bad ones. Like, of course, yes. <laughs> and and so, how did you feel after like the fir- the very first one? How did that feel? Life, how do you feel? Yeah. Uh, you know, I felt really nothing because I felt like God. I felt relieved because if I didn't do that, I would have gotten killed. Yeah, because so, you're you, you know the the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, um, I had a friend once. Well, for example, Kara, think about it this way. If you saw some guy hurting your kid, your son or daughter, yeah, and viciously, I, I think you would be more motivated very quickly, and it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, yeah. Sure. That's I true. mean, that's mother's ear. I mean, look, what's the most vicious animal? A bear protecting its young, an animal protecting its babies, even a duck, anything. Well, I mean, yeah, it can duck. be vicious. <laughs> <laughs> They're vicious. I know that. Yeah. I I feel really bad now. I mean, I think it's because of my own mortality, you know, and my age, but I used to be able to kill like animals and things, you know, even just to hunt. And if I do that now, I feel really bad. I feel bad for them and I can't do it. (laughs) No, I'm not kidding. What? I I have a hard time killing things like flies or just (laughs) my mindset's different now. I think yeah. it's because I'm closer to my own mortality, or at least I, I'm, yeah. my perception is that. I mean, who knows when you're going to die, but, you know, but yeah. at this age now. Hey, when somebody is, it's natural killer that you're talking about, have you ever had the, um, 
somebody that just gets too thirsty and too hungry for, you know, to kill for the sake of it? And do they, yeah, have, to, yeah, do they yeah. have to be discharged? And like, not really just were deprogrammed, we would call it. Reprogrammed, you know, I mean, almost like a, you get somebody like a, a Rambo character and it comes in society and it's so boring, you know? Yeah. Compared to what they do and they have to be reprogrammed to be in society again, in a way. But let me ask you, if you're so programmed, on one hand, you're saying that the, the, that the, you know, some of these um, military are so programmed, that, you know, repetition being the mother of skill, right. and they seem like they have a mindset that's such. Why is it so hard then, and I'm assuming that it's difficult for these uh, military to transition back into civil life because of the things that you're saying. So if, they, if they're that trained, is it really that difficult to transition if they already have a mindset where they've learned how to do something to be great under pressure. Wouldn't this why be kind of like PTSD? Why is it so? Why yeah. is it so difficult? Is it because of peace? Yeah, like like what what causes some of you some of the military men to come out with PTSD and some others to come out completely fine? What yeah, what yeah. is that? That's a great question. You know what? They found that actually more civilians have PTSD than military guys. All it is yeah. is pressure, divorce. Losing your parents, losing your spouse, losing your kid, all that stuff, you know, being a shock of combat and stuff, what creates those psychological mental blocks, you know? I mean, uh, when I was at the VA hospital, there's so many guys in certain classes, PTSD classes, God, they hear a muffler go off or a motorcycle or, and they just start to freak out because they're so programmed in real combat to react to a loud noise, a gun, explosion, whatever over, over, over again to hide. So it, it becomes a, a subconscious mechanism, you know? I mean, I knew one guy, a commander, who I saw inspired me on uh, on this uh, Special Forces brochure. It's so funny because when I lived in uh, another city, he ended up moving across the street from me. The guy I saw in a brochure wearing a green beret. <laughs> it's just amazing. And he was a commander and he was even a, uh, 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 Captain Commission in the field of Vietnam by General Westmoreland, I believe. And he was great. He'd get up early in the morning. He couldn't sleep. He had insomnia. He couldn't sleep because he never slept hardly in Vietnam because he had to be alert all the way. And he was a, a captain, you know. So he'd get up and just run for three hours and come back. And uh, he was great because then uh, my parents talked to him. And then I met him, they invited me over for, uh, for dinner, and he had a Thai, uh, a Thai wife that he married when he was over there. But, uh, you know, and he knew every secret mission, every covert operation. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. But he, he said he never really got over it. I think eventually he passed away, you know, later, but he, he had PTSD his whole life. And look at uh, Chris Kyle. They did an American Sniper, the movie after, you know. He had PTSD. And he was trying to help other guys with PTSD, and that's how he got killed, you know. So, so obviously, it's like anything else. I mean, it's like being an alcoholic. You can overcome it, but it's always yeah. there. Always there. It's like me. I, I used to smoke cigarettes. Like, I was severely addicted. And even though I finally gave it up, I'm one cigarette away from just going off the edge. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, when you're... You know, it's just like an alcoholic, like you said, a drug addict. You've got to be completely detached from it and cold from it completely 
mentally, physically, emotionally, everything, because any little tease could start teasing you back into it. And you PTSD know? is very similar that way too, you know. I would and, be very I would be very hesitant to marry a woman that came back from military <laughs> and, and you know battle. Holy yeah. shit. Say so well, if I say something wrong and she goes off, I'm done. <laughs> End of marriage. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not it's not a joke. No, you know, no, no. something like that true, happens. True. But you know what Kerr is saying is really interesting. What I saw, maybe I'm wrong, but I think the more somebody can be in battle situations, stressful situations, and remain calm and no overreact and let their body and nervous system overreact to it, the, the lesser chance you will get it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's my theory, anyway. Yeah. Well, anyway, you seem like, I mean, I've actually known you for a while, Rango. But, but you seem like you've adapted pretty well and adjusted pretty well. Is this all a facade? Are you fooling me? <laughs> yeah. See, my Who are you really? <laughs> yeah. No, but you seem like you're very well adjusted. Well, you know, uh, for martial arts, I was always intrigued with the mystical, the mental part. So yeah. from an early age, and before I went in the military, I was a, a black belt and trained quite a few years already. And I think that really helped me. Yeah. You know, being a black belt, that philosophy, that martial art, Budo, warrior mentality philosophy, yeah. which isn't just kill everybody. It's just uh, facing yourself, you know, really. I think that's an important point, facing yourself. I think that's really it right there. You know, yeah, looking is. in the mirror and just really being able to face yourself and be able to deal with yourself, I think, probably is hugely important. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you too, Lil. I mean, the same thing. When all the bodybuilding you did and training and weight competing stuff, you know, that's kind of the same stages you go through. You go through a planning phase, you know, when you're, you have a contest, something you want to accomplish, and then you do a recount, what do I have to do? Yeah, see the goal. To do it, that. then what's my strategy? And then practice and then execution, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all tight. It's funny, how, it's funny, I talked about this before, how things, even though they're in different worlds, are kind of the same as far as the approach and the way you get to an end result to be to be uh, successful. Yeah. You know, um, well, uh, shit, Rango. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Rango. <laughs> um Anything else you'd like to share with us before we leave? You have some uh, uh, wise advice? Yeah, a few things. Like, I mean, you've heard of the book uh, Sun Tzu, Art of War. Yeah. Chinese guy made it. And, uh, I mean, look at Vietnam. You know, they killed us in Vietnam. We're doing conventional warfare, bombing all this stuff, but they were following Sun, uh, Sun Tzu's philosophy. Like guerrilla warfare, hit and hide, hit and hide, hit and hide. What we did in the Revolutionary War, war, you know? And by those concepts, whoever uses these Sun Tzu contracts really have the advantage of winning that battle, you know? And uh, that's why, look at how long we lasted. We couldn't do anything. Then we had to escape, pull out at the end anyway. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, and what I heard... Who knows this is a true story or not, but uh, Sun Tzu, that was this Chinese strategist, military strategist name, you know, uh, this one lord came to him, said, I heard about how good you are. And he had another 
province that was having a, a bigger army and they wanted to take over his province. So he hired uh, Sun Tzu. What is the concept? I mean, can you really live up to your reputation? Can you prove it to me? So he has all these uh, women damsels, you know, uh, all these w women uh, escort servants, right? And real pretty, dainty hair, very feminine. He goes, can you train these women to be warriors? He goes, sure. So first day he starts training him and do this, do this, you know, self-defense, martial arts with swords and they're giggling, they're laughing and uh, making jokes about it. So that happened a couple of days in a row. So what he did, there's two women in front. If this is the true story, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, who knows what in history. So they, the next day they start giggling, laughing again. He spins around, takes his sword, and he cuts the two first women's heads off. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I yeah. knew that was going there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they, whoa, and it changed completely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would think so. They took he's serious. serious. <laughs> yeah, serious. That's some serious shit right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, that made it very serious. These giggly women, you know, so like what Kara said, life and death, protecting your young, whatever motivates you to stay alive. And, yeah. you know, there's been some very submissive, meek people. And look at all these heroes that we don't hear about. You never suspect these, this little kid would go help these people or do this or jump right in the fire or anything. Yeah. You know, that's innate in a lot of people that yeah. uh, wear a mentality just to protect and save somebody else. So, I mean, everybody has that, but just yeah. what's motivated to pull it out. Pull it out, yeah. Bring it out in you. What's pulled out the warrior mindset in you? What would you say, like, if you were to give somebody advice to have even the smallest mindset that you have, what would it be? Uh, just like Leo was talking, face yourself and push yourself to unlimited capacities. Got it. Do so something like, to challenge, to push yourself, to show you're much stronger internally than you believe you are. Yeah, like keep reaching to be the full potential of yourself yes, and yes. challenge yourself to do things you don't think you're capable of. And, you know, like Leo did, it could be weight training, it could be lifting a certain leg, making accomplishing a certain goal, uh, running a certain distance. I mean, look, at there's a mental thing. Like after, uh, with Mount Everest, b before it was scaled by uh, Tetsi Norky and uh, Hillary with 53, I think there's hundreds of guys. Germans tried. They want to be the first. Tons of people tried. But when nobody made it. When those two made it, then everybody started making it yeah. to the top of Everest. It's like, oh, wow, look, it can, it's humanly possible. It, it Same thing with, what's his name, with the four-minute mile. When he broke that, everybody started breaking yeah. it. Interesting. It's you mental. Know, how, how I can relate to that a little bit is, because what you're basically saying for me is learning how to to push yourself to be uncomfortable and to eventually be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Yes, yes. When I had my strokes, the biggest thing that I was afraid of that would keep me more in prison than I was, at, and especially early on, was if I couldn't travel again and couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. Yeah. And I remember that first time that I drove to San Francisco just a few months after I had it because all the, I, I was panicking actually while I was driving. What, what if I have one right now? But yeah. the fact that I stood with it I was able to talk my way through that. Yeah. And that was a turning point for me. So I guess you just, that's the kind of stuff that you're talking about. You have to exactly. learn how to face your fear and the fact that in my case, that it could happen again. And then what? 
but that if that paralyzes you right there, oh. then you're done. You can't you can't keep moving forward. I mean, it's the same you're way right. like in, in military life. Exactly. In, totally. In those you situations. Can, yeah. Anyway, you hey, listen. Go ahead. Take control. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, listen, I, I, we're going to have to get going here, but I, I appreciate you coming. Yes, uh, thank you uh, so much. We'll and, have to do this again because I feel like we only started in yeah, one area of your career yeah, life. I think, I think this could go a lot longer to get down into some uh, some deeper stuff, but I think you shared some really good stuff, uh, Rango. Great, great. And, uh, yeah, we'll do this again sometime, and and uh, I'm sure Kara will have a whole host of questions for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be a blonde next time. A blonde? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> Hopefully you change your voice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen. Well, thanks. thanks so much. Thanks okay, for coming. My out. pleasure, guys. Real All right, being here. All right, man. Okay. okay. Ciao. Okay, you too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you.